Welcome to Tripping Over the Barrel, a series that highlights the unique personalities within the oil and gas industry and the stories they have to share with your hosts and lead storytellers, Tilo and Dr. Funkenstein. Ladies and gentlemen, happy Friday and welcome back to Tripping Over the Barrel. This is episode number two, full-length edition, and really excited to be joined by Colin McClelland, one of the co-founders of Digital Wildcatters, the content king of the oil and gas industry, the meme lord of Twitter and Instagram. Good buddy of mine. That's a lot of titles, man. (laughs) Hey, man. It's like like he's not a wrestler. He doesn't need that. (laughs) It's like like the most stacked resume of shit that doesn't matter. (laughs) Hey, Jeremy, it occurs to me, you know, that people are going to be watching this on or listening to this on a Friday, man. That is true. But you know what? For us, it was, I don't know, man. I'm just starting getting started with this. So, uh, Colin is our first guest, and part of the reason we wanted him to be our first guest is, first of all, he's he's hilarious, and we appreciate he and Jake giving us this platform. Um, but second of all, Colin actually posted, I think on LinkedIn, a video of him on a rig site. Uh, let, let, him, let, him, let him tell us. <laughs> yeah, so... Story number one. It's funny because the video that I posted on LinkedIn was blurry. And the reason it was blurry, I was thinking about it. I was like, fuck, man, that was shot on an iPhone 3. You know, I was like, I can't, like, I wish I was working on rigs with these iPhone 11 Pro Max. I'd have so many rig videos that were high quality. But yeah, that video that I posted on LinkedIn was, uh, it was my second day on the rig. And, you know, I'm, I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm just a kid. And I've been working out a lot. I graduated high school weighing 130 pounds and I'd gone on this kick. I was in Gold's gym every day working out. And so I got up to like 175 pounds, was looking, looking good. And, um, you know, this is back before you had to wear coveralls on the rig. And so I'm out there and I'm, uh, I'm in a sleeveless tank top, you know, showing off my muscles, just pulling slips, doing, you know, whatever a warm does on a, on a rig. And, these guys are like, Hey, I bet you can't lift this uh, sack of drilling mud over your head. And I was like, how much does it weigh? They're like, hundred sure can. Yeah. A hundred <laughs> pounds. And I was like, man, I, I can lift that all day. I can lift that. And I'm not, bet you can't. And so anyways, later in the day, we go down to the, uh, the drilling uh, pits and we're standing there and like, okay, lift it up. And I lift it up and I press it over my head. And as I press it over my head, they take a, a banana knife and they cut the bag <laughs> open and I just get covered in drilling mud. And all of a sudden, you know, I go from having like a badass feeling of, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll press this bag of mud over my head. to oh, I just got played and I look like a dumbass. <laughs> so that was, uh, man, that was my oil field initiation uh, story. And I'm fortunate that, you know, I have video of it because I look back at it. And I mean, it seems like yesterday, right? You know, 10 years flies by. And um, I was just watching. It. I was like, man, I still remember that day like it was yesterday. Yeah, I tell you, when, when uh, I went out in the early 90s before iPhones, I was warned by an, a summer intern from the year before, hey, look, when you get out there, don't put anything over your head. They're going to jack with you. So I was, I was prepared for that and I kind of knew the story. So it didn't, you know, this, that joke's been around for a, a real long ass time. <laughs> you know, it's funny it, that my brother, he, uh, he graduated high school and went for the summer as a roustabout on, on a rig. 
and similar to you, he had just got done playing football and, oh, 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 oh. and he was right. a, he wait, was wait, wait. a Listen, not everybody listening to this went to uh, Texas A&M at Texas A&M and was a petroleum engineering major. What is a roustabout? A roustabout is the low guy on the totem pole on the rig. You got the roughnecks on the on the floor moving pipe and and playing with mud and the the roustabouts, the guy going down and painting strange things and driving stakes into the ground. Something like that anyway. Basically all the all the stuff that the roughnecks don't want to do. But, you know, effectively, he's out there. He's yoked up. He's a, a power lifter, played football his whole career. He's out there swinging a 16-pound sledge, driving a stake into the ground, and he's perfect, hitting it every time. And I'd already warned him about, you know, don't lift a bag of Bayrite or concrete over your head. And, you know, so he was prepped for that. But they came over, and they're just watching him swing a sledgehammer. It's like, man, you're really good at this. You're not missing once. You think you could do that blindfolded? <laughs> and sure enough, he says, yeah, probably let's give it a try. So they take his hard hat off, put a blindfold on him, and then they stick his hard hat right on top of the stake. And so he's just swinging his sledgehammer, just beating the crap out of his own hard hat. And it's pretty funny. He, he must, he said he took three, <laughs> took three or four swings before he realized what was going on. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a few uh, hard hat tricks and I'm sorry, guys, I started dropping F-bombs on your podcast. I didn't even ask everybody, is this, is this PG-13? Do I now, need to? Now we're good. Not anymore. We're good. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I, I just kind of assume like, if you invite me on a podcast, you, you just got to know, but we, we didn't, you know, there, we didn't go into the ground rules, but I, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> there's a uh, episode one's got it in there. All right. There's a, you know, speaking of like hard hat oil field stories, Tim, that reminds me, I don't know if you ever saw this story, but you'd go up to a green, you know, a green hand and they'd have these green hard hats on and you'd ask them, you'd say, Hey, have you ever seen two turtles? Fuck. And then you smash a green hard hat on top of their green hard hat while they're wearing it. It's just like, why, like, why, why do you know, how do these things come up? Like, how do these jokes and tricks come about in oil and gas now, and teenage mutant ninja field? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, it's just a bunch of guys out there isolated in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's not like you're, you know, you're not out at a club or anything. You're, you're in the middle of the mountains or the desert or something like that. It's just, this is just what's entertaining. Now I was just going to tell you my first, my first story on the rig. I was, um, down in South Texas, summer intern, uh, you know, and they decided I was running, I was going to run three weeks with the roustabout crew, Jeremy, we were just make laying pipe and putting it in the ground and then three weeks on the rig. And uh, so I go up there and the, the uh, engineer tells me, Hey, before you go up on the rig, I was going to be spending the, no the night on the rig for three weeks. And he said, before you go up there, go ask the company, man, if he needs any groceries or anything, just be a nice guy. So you, you're, you're friendly with him. So I, Go out there and walk up on the rig floor, no hard hat or anything, just to go find the, the company man. And he's up there and it's loud, like the rig floor always is. And and uh, he had a certain stressed look on his face, but I said, hey, Jim, uh, you need me to bring anything? I'm going to be out here for the next three weeks. You want me to bring anything from the grocery store? And he goes, no, I don't need anything. We got some stuck pipe right now and we're running the hydraulic jars and someone could get killed. Now... <laughs> It was loud. There was a lot of vibration. The jars were being slammed. And I, I was like, holy shit. I, I could not get off that rig four fast, fast enough. I, and I come back the next day and I walk into the, the shack where, uh, where the company man, where the trailer was. And he is just howling with laughter because my eyes were still big. 
anything coming out there. It is, you know, just normal operation. But to me, it was, it, it sounded bad. It looked bad. And man, he said, your eyes were huge. (laughs) That was my introduction to the rig life. (laughs) Someone could die out here. Tim, I was, I was telling, uh, I was telling someone the story. Oh, I think I was telling it on Twitter the other day because, you know, just talking about like initiation stories in the oil field, there's one that sticks out that's by far the funniest that I've ever seen. And so I was running wireline at the time and, um, this had to be, you know, 2012, you know, just like peak, um, fracking period. And so we're just running and gunning and, um, I'm over there and I'm building some guns and I'm just wrenching them and my coworker taps on my shoulder. Wrenching, what's what's wrenching some guns? Wrenching some guns. So, um, you know, when you run these uh, frack jobs, Wireline's job is to run some perforating guns so that you can actually shoot holes through the casing and into the earth. And that's actually what you frack okay. to open up those, uh, those holes, those perforations. And so uh, my job was to assemble these guns and they would have a bunch of charges in them. And all they are is, um, I think they were... Uh, uh, three and a half inch barrels. And then they would have these big uh, explosive charges on the inside of them. And I'd have to wire them together and make sure that, you know, they were all sealed up and watertight. And then we'd run them down hole and blow stuff up. Well, I'm doing that. And my coworker taps me on the shoulder and he's like, Hey, Hey, look at this. And I look across location and they have this frack can. He's brand new, got a green heart at, and he's got a trash bag and he's on top of the sand king or the, uh, the blender and the blender is where they uh, mix all their chemicals for the frack job. And he's got this trash bag and he's waving it in the air. And I was like, what is this oh, guy no. doing? He's waving it in the air. And then he hurries up and he ties the bag. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. They told this guy to catch some air samples and he's doing it. It's like I've heard of this trick, but I've never seen it actually executed. No way. <laughs> so he's catching these air samples and ties it. And he goes over to the oh, frack no. van and tells the frack van, hey, I got these air samples. And you know they say, oh, those oh wireline, those wireline <laughs> guys want it. So he comes walking across the location over to me and you know in the background i can see like all these uh frack hands you know, peeking around the frack van watching them do it and he's, he comes up to me and he's like hey um they said to bring this air sample over to you and i just like with a, a straight face man i tell him i'm like oh yeah the uh, company man's over there in the wireline truck why don't you take it to him and so he takes it he knocks on the wireline truck door and I see him standing at the bottom of the stairs and the company man opens it and he's like, Hey, you know, here's these air samples. And I don't know what the company man said. Cause I wasn't in there, oh but God. I just see this dude's face just turn red and he comes over. He's like, he's like, you freaking assholes. <laughs> and I, was like, Bro. I was like, I'm so sorry, but that was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. So similar, it's a similar kind of myth story, but you know, the, so when you're sitting out on a rig and you're looking at there's a there's a pipe rack and just outside the pipe rack is a flat ramp that goes into a very steep ramp that goes up to where they p- drag the drill pipe up to put onto the drill string and that ramp that they pull the pipe up is called the V door it's a it's at about an 80 75 80 degree angle it's very very steep but they call it the V door i have no idea why one of the funny initiation stories i've heard is they'll take the greenhorn out and they'll ask him to go find the keys to the V-door. Now, the, the course, the V-door is never moves. So they send this guy, the, the guy goes all over the place looking for uh, 
the keys to the V-door. He asks the driller, then he goes in, asks the company man, then he goes in and asks whoever else. And it's like a quest to see how long before he realizes yeah, I, there's no such thing as keys to the V-door, but everybody yeah, <laughs> knows, right? That's like, that's got to be the oldest, oldest one in the book is finding the V-door key. Um, oh, yeah. I've, I've seen it. I've seen that one executed several times nicely. It's an easy one. And it's always like, it's funny because the jokes are funny, but then at the same time, it's like, you know, poor green hands, like you're out there. You know, I remember when I first went on a rig, I pull up and I didn't know that you're supposed to back in yet, you know, so I just pull in like a noob and I let my tailgate down and I sit down on my tailgate and I'm just looking up to the top of the derrick and I'm just like scared. I got butterflies in my stomach and um, you go out there and you have no clue and you trust these guys that you're around and they're telling you to, hey, go find the V-door key and you're like, shit, I guess I gotta go, go find the V-door key and you don't know any better and you're just, you know, oh, yeah. everyone's laughing stock. <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny though. You, you get you you after a couple of times going on the rig, you're scared of anything that anybody asks you to go do. So, like my first trip <laughs> offshore, I'm on a crew boat and we're heading out to a production platform, and uh, I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go use use a little Tarzan swing to uh, swing onto the bottom of the the derrick underneath the uh, at the sea level, and uh, I see the basket coming down, and I'm thinking, well, what are we doing here? And they they tell me, oh, get on. It's like, hell no. Get in no the basket. Way. No way. You're not getting in the basket, Jeremy. You're getting on the basket. You you <laughs> stand on the outside and hold on. And oh, that was the con. You you posted one of those yeah. too, right? Yeah, yeah I just so, posted a video of it on LinkedIn. Dude, it, it's funny. If you want likes on LinkedIn, apparently just post a video of you riding a basket because that got oh, like, <laughs> 100,000 views or something. I was like, oh, sh- I didn't know it was this easy. Yeah, it did look like you're being you're being ominously dropped, though. It did look <laughs> ominous. Well, I, when you first when you step on that, and you you know as a as a 22 year old kid at going out for the first time, and you're going to stand on the outside of the basket instead of standing where it seems safer inside the basket, you're thinking, oh man, this is this is crazy. But I'm already scared because I've heard about the V door. I've already you know uh, been scared about the hydraulic rams, all these other things. I had. I mean, they, so I just figured it was just another prank. They're going to do something to me in the basket. It's going to be crazy. But then everyone else gets on and we go up and the crane takes us up, puts us onto the, onto the derrick and, oh, okay, that was good. And uh, the next platform we went to, I used that Tarzan swing. And I'm going to tell you, after using the Tarzan swing, I preferred the, the, the basket all day long to trying to swing onto the bottom of a platform. Man, I never, I never got to, I never got to swing on the rope. So I've been on plenty of Billy Pugh baskets. Um, and I'd always heard about swinging on the rope, but I never got to do it. And I was just like, man, I can't imagine a bunch of uncoordinated people swinging from ship to ship by a rope. I mean, doesn't exactly seem safe. Well, and, and you're, well, no, it was not safe at all. You're exactly right. It, it wasn't safe. Can we, can we cut that back and repeat exactly what you just said? It, it doesn't okay. seem safe in the middle of the ocean swinging on a rope from boat to boat. I mean, yeah, it no, it doesn't. No, no, here's what, here's what happened. So they, they backed the crew boat up to the, to the platform at the sea level. And then you see the Tarzan swing that's attached to the platform. And they ha- pull a stick over and pull it over to you. And then you've got to time the waves. So the wave's coming up and you're standing there and you, you at the top of the wave, you swing over to the platform. And in my mind, I'm trying to figure out how am I not going over the b- rail on the other side? That's my whole fear. And 
you know, of course you get over there and the first one over is there and all it all worked. I'm still here. But man, that was I preferred the basket after all that, no matter how (laughs) scary the basket looked. That was the that's the best way to get on a rig from a boat, not trying to swing over. It's funny when you. It's funny when you brought up the uh, point of, you know, people telling you to do things. It, it brought up this uh, story that I always find funny. And, you know, I just got out on the rig, broke out. And, you know, something that like a lot of people take for granted is when you spend a lot of time on a rig, you get good at being able to hear people and read their lips and, you know, use context clues to hear what they're saying because it's really loud, right? Um, and when I first started, I had this dairy can, uh, his name is Robert, uh, Bustos, if he's listening. And, um, he would always tell me to go do things and I would run off and I would go do something. And I never had a clue what he was telling me to do, but I didn't want to ask him <laughs> twice. Finally, one day, one night on a night shift, he pulls me aside and he's like, Hey, He's like, do you intentionally not listen to me or are you just stupid? <laughs> I was like, man, like, I was like, real talk. Like, I, I can't hear you. Like, I don't know what you're saying to me. It's so loud out here. Um, and he just started busting out laughing. And he's like, okay, because every time I tell you to do something, you go and do something completely different. And I always just think about that. I'm like, God, I had to look stupid. <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it, it, there's these these stories, the rig stories. It just takes me back to all my, uh, you know, I was in Boy Scouts when I was a kid and all the stupid things that they do to Boy Scouts, snipe hunts and things like that. And it's just funny that, you know, as adults, all this still carries on out into a semi-professional workspace that is an <laughs> oil rig, right? I know we got a multi-million dollar operation going on and we're still we're still playing tricks on each other, right? I came across this video the other day on my phone. Uh, it was snowing in Midland and yeah, I mean, wow. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah that's what I was about to say. Like more than like once a, like, what is that? Like once a year or something or <laughs> dude, once not, every five years, not even once a year. Yeah. It's gotta be once every five years, something like that. And, um, I got this video, I was working motors on the rig at the time and, uh, uh, we had these, they were papers, they, they were bags of paper, but they weren't in, um, like that uh, brown bag material, they're actually in this wax paper. And so they actually made really good snow sleds. And I tied two pieces of rope to our big Caterpillar forklift. And I had the green hands hold on to the rope and then sit on the bags of paper. And I got a video of me dragging them around location in the forklift. <laughs> it's just like, man, I don't even know if you could do that in today's oil field. <laughs> like 10 years ago, it wasn't that long ago, but it was a, it was a really different world than it is today. I was like, oh, for sure. Safety man pulls up the location and I'm just dragging around two people with the forklift in the snow. <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I was thinking about. All right. What happens when the company man does show up now? So. <laughs> So here's, here's a question I have for both of you, since you guys have both uh, spent time out in the field. I always, I always look out there. Does it just get so hot? I mean, you're wearing, you know, you're, you're wearing like heavy layers of clothes to say, stay safe. You're standing out there all day. I mean, are people just like passing out and getting heat stroke? It must be nuts. Oh, I passed out one time from heat exhaustion on a rig move. And that was before we had to wear coveralls. Um, so yeah, I mean, that happens yeah, all I mean, the time. Yeah, I, I think. I got my first trip out my, when I was on that first roustabout crew. I, you know, I wanted to impress people, so I'm, we're gonna we're gonna drill. We're gonna lay a one inch line 
about 50 feet. So we're just going to use a, a pile driver just to dig out a one foot hole, one foot ca- uh, canal to run this pipe through. And I was just going to town. I was going to just banging the crap out of this. And these guys all had to come over and just say, Hey dude, stop, slow down. You're going to, you're going to get us all killed trying to go that fast. So they, well, I'm just trying to impress the guy that I want to get hired by later. So anyway, it's funny, but they, they, these, you've got a pace that you know you have to work at. And, you know, they know every shade tree in South Texas, these guys, and they know exactly where they're going to go mm-hmm. hang out every 10 minutes or so. So, yeah. Yeah. I used yeah but to, it, you just have to know. I mean, that's just thing. You just have to know what you have to do to get, stay safe out there. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Like you go out on these frack jobs now and they got like cooling stations. I'm like, man, we didn't have no cooling stations back in, <laughs> back in my day. Like I sound like a gray hair guy already. <laughs> I used but, to go stand in front of the those big compressor fans with the intake. Yeah. I used to go stand and I used to go stand on the, with my back to it, so the air is just kind of coming by my head. Oh man, you know what I do? I would take on our mud pump engines. I would um, I would take our pressure washer and then I would rubber band the handle to where it would hold the pressure washer on, and then I would stick it in the radiator of the engine, and then it would blow yeah, out yeah. cold air on yeah. the other side. Like that's roughneck engineering right there. Like yeah, it is. It's Absolutely. Like a, thousand horsepower air conditioner come on well, i think I mean, that just goes the whole <laughs> thing. <Just> survival <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the whole thing on the rig you know you've got a job to do and something's going to break you f- do the same thing to just figure out how to keep everything moving yeah it's it, actually you, I, I like i was i wrote a post the other day and i was reflecting on when i first got into the oil field and i think it's good to do that because you forget like you, you really forget um, you know, anyone in life, like you forget about those experiences and like what you felt in that moment. And I was yep. just thinking, reflecting. And I remember, I remember going home and I, I remember telling my dad what it was like working on the rig. And I was fascinated by roughnecks because they're like these rough dudes that are out there. Some of them don't have teeth or fingers and okay. they understand complex downhole physics. But then if something breaks on the rig, their mechanics and they can fix that. And I just thought it was such an interesting place, you know, to where people can understand complex physics, but also understand how to fix anything and everything. And that was just like a really special thing to me. And I was always fascinated by that. And then, you know, when I went on the rig, I didn't even know what a pipe wrench was or how much less how to use one. And that was actually like kind of one of my downfalls of getting into the oil field was I'm not a handy person. And by the time I left the rig, man, I felt like I could fix anything. Well, uh, and, you know, same, same story. One of the, the beautiful things about, you know, at least where I went to school, they send you out to be an intern and, you know, they put, they stuck me out on a rig and the, your comment about these guys knowing the physics of what's going on down hole. I realized really quickly that the 25 year old engineer back in the office in Houston was giving these guys directions, what they, th- he thought they should be doing. And they would instantly know. Well, he's wrong. That's that's not how this. That's not the right way to do this. And I, I quickly gained a lot of respect. Just that these guys know a whole bunch. You should not discount what these guys learn through the school of hard knocks. This is the they have a lot of valuable information. As, you know about the drilling process that you simply never learned in school. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I was talking to uh, one of my friends as a senior drilling engineer for an EMP and he moved up to that spot pretty quick. And I was just talking to him about it. And he's like, you know why I moved up so fast was because I listened to the field hands around me. He's like, I recognized that they were smart and that they knew a lot. And so I would listen to them and they made me look good. So I think that's, you know, 
as we move into a new age of the oil field. Yeah, and I think it's and gonna be it's good those field to, hands that have all these great stories too, right? That these are the guys that have all the stories. Oh, we're we're gonna bring yeah, we're gonna bring more more Colin types on guys who maybe are even still in the field today at uh more, at points meme, moving forward. More meme lords. It's, <laughs> probably not. Probably guys who don't have any social media presence whatsoever. Yeah, probably but so. I, I was thinking as you were explaining it, right? You know, one of the things that um, Tim and I have talked about and, and we'll sort of come back to is we grew up in very different places. Our, our experiences in oil and gas, um, you know, came together, but but have been very, very different and and varied. And as you guys were explaining these types of dudes uh, in in West Texas, you know, roughnecks and and uh, field hands, like I'm trying to think of what those guys do in northern New England, and I think it's like I, I don't know, maybe they set up like maple syrup and uh, <laughs> drove snowplows. So no, man, that's all I got. These are, no, these are, these are the lobstermen. <laughs> they're, the, they're the lobstermen. They're lobstermen. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. those Dude, are Gloucester so boys. My Gloucester uh, boys. Uh, so my driller was from Newfoundland, um, the east coast of Canada. And so he was a fisherman and all about lobster. And he's the one that taught me. He's like, like, dude, I sucked at tying things when I got in the oil field. Like I didn't know how to tie knots. And so he told me, he's like, it's like what we always say out at sea. If you can't tie knots, tie lots. And like, I've always thought about that. Like, Hmm. Hey, I can just like tie up a rat nest if I can't (laughs) tie tie up a knot. But like he, um, yeah, I mean like fit, like any like fishing is dude, that's like, I can never go work on a fishing boat. Ever, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, like, you, you think eighteen-year-old you may have may have, may have been willing to do that, right? Dude, if the yeah, money was you, right, you know what? Like, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I'm like, man, eighteen-year-old Colin would think that thirty-year-old Colin's a little bitch. Um, <laughs> like, I've been thinking about that a lot lately, and I'm like, I'm I'm getting soft, and I need to change that. <laughs> but would eighteen-year-old Colin have been intimidated by your Brazilian jiu-jitsu oh, yeah, capabilities yeah. of thirty-year-old Colin? Yeah, thirty-year-old Colin would mop eighteen-year-old Colin. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Got to all thirty-year-old Colin is, skills. Thirty-year-old Colin smart enough not to lift a hundred-pound bag of concrete. Yeah. Right <laughs> exactly. Hey, look, look, it's not really smart or intelligent. I'm just more experienced and wisdom now. I got that's a couple right. of gray hairs coming in the beard. I, I've seen some stuff. <laughs> no, that's maybe that's the theme of this whole thing is. Uh, you know, it, experience. That's that's where uh, that's where the best teacher is. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, a hundred percent. And you know, that's actually kind of one thing that I get worried about with this downturn. Is you know, we were experiencing a great crew change before, um, you know, around 2014 era, and then we hit that downturn, and now here we are again. And you know, there's a lot of talent leaving the industry, younger talent, and so. Um, you know, uh, I think that in another 10 years, we're going to experience another, um, uh, another knowledge gap and wisdom gap Mm. is how I look at it. And having those experiences and wisdoms and that tribe knowledge is going to be important. And I think, and just to go back to your theme, this is the the point where the digitalization of the industry, that's, what's going to be able to lead us through that knowledge transfer. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you, you guys know, I talk about this stuff all the time. Right. And, um, the only, no the only thing is, is like digital space isn't as fun as the, uh, manual labor space when it comes to <laughs> you know rig stories and <laughs> excitement. Like, yeah, cool. I've been talking about like digital tech startups for the last couple of years, but you know, what's a lot cooler story is a 
the time that I had to jump off a rig, a workover <laughs> rig, because I thought it was about to fall over. Like I almost lost my life that day. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, yeah, I think that's, um, you know, I think what you guys are doing with this podcast is great. I think that, um, you know, I, I literally just got off of a phone call with a uh, big consulting group in uh, New York City that has an incubator for oil and gas startups. And I just had this conversation with them about how the oil and gas industry needs characters and it needs faces. And all of these people that are that I was talking to, they're well familiar with oil and gas just because of the work that they've done with startups, but they don't come from the oil and gas industry. Like they don't understand you know, these, these types of conversations and, you know, I love this industry. I mean, to my core, I love it. I love the work. I love the challenges. I love the people. And it's sad that, you know, so many people outside of our industry have such a negative connotation towards it because of their lack of understanding. And I think that you guys are going to be a big driver for telling stories of regular people in this industry and showing that, you know, this, uh, it, you know, showing how great the industry really is. Yeah. I mean, we, we all get here different ways, but we're here now. I love this industry too. I kind of knew it from the start, but the perspective from people in the Northeast that I grew up with was like, okay, you're in oil and gas. So you must be like some sort of scumbag and you must be super rich. I'm like, well, I'll take the rich thing if you want to accuse me of that, I guess. But scumbag, I don't know if I totally understand. I'm not sure. You know, we, Jeremy's we, like, I may be a scumbag, but I'm not rich. <laughs> Damn it. Um, the, 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 pers- the perspective of, of oil and gas uh, nationally, and especially if you grow up in like such a blue state, you know, heavy liberal area like that, it's like you'd think it was tobacco or something. Like there's been... It, not a great effort by the oil and gas industry to brand itself, right? So I think a lot of what you're bringing to the table will help people realize like we're just kind of normal people. We, we, we work like everyone else. We, we just happen to really, really love the, the people, the characters and the industry itself. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the industry hasn't tried to deliver that message and brand themselves, but like, look, a staged video from Shell or Schlumberger, you know, they stage their employees and, oh, hey, how much do you love working for Schlumberger and oil and gas? Like, that's not the, that's not the stuff that's going to cut it, right? In today's world, people want to connect with authenticity and real people and hear real stories. And um, that's how it's going to be done. You know, it's grassroots. So I think, you know, just like some of the stories that we've told today, like it brings humor, like you know, you look from the outside in oil and gas, it's like, oh, BP oil spill, you guys are killing the environment, you must hate the world, you know, you don't want to live more than 20 years, yada, yada, yada. But it's like, okay, let's start peeling back the layers of the onion and seeing that, no, there's real people here. There's a wealth of knowledge, technical ability, physics, uh, comedy, everything. I mean, you know, tons of people willing to help out each other. It's just, it's such a unique industry and it's weird that, that hasn't bled through to the outside yet. Yeah. And you know, it's the, the, the connection of the physical to the technical um, that people from the outside really are not going to get to go see. And then the personalities that bring it all together. I think that's what really, what we want to drive home is, is the personality of the business and, and uh, you know, share it with whoever needs to see it. And really hopefully that it will be, will be a lot of fun for people to listen to. So glad everyone could join us for uh, episode two, I guess we're calling this one rig tales. Very excited to bring this to you and tell these stories and others and glad hopefully we uh, get some 
feedback from from you guys, our listeners, on some other things that would be interesting to uh, talk about. But we've got a few more few more episodes lined up, and hopefully you can join us soon. Colin, my man, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, guys. It was an honor to be the guest on the second show. Looking forward to seeing what you guys do.